then there will be a revelation of how to pray. It's not just praying for this and praying for that thing. Oh, God, give me a new car. Oh, God, I got a flat tire. You know, it's not just praying like that. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying that's not altar of incense prayer. And that's not what the showbread reveals. So what we see in, and in, the, in, um, in the New Testament, you find the other spirits of God in the new, under the new covenant, the spirit of truth. Um, I can't remember what they are now. Huh? Spirit of life, spirit of truth. But what you see is that those have many manifestations. There's the, 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 the uh, balance between the, the Holy Spirit when he comes is that he is the spirit of truth. But then there's many balances of that. And then there's more to truth than this truth as a reality. See? So when you put the seven spirits of God together, you see that these seven flames of fire burn before the throne of God. And these seven flames of fire are the seven eyes of the Lord, which roam to and fro throughout the whole earth. So the Holy Spirit knows what is happening over the whole world. So he can reveal from the showbread what you need to burn incense. Let me say that again. When the seven spirits of God are burning, they illuminate everything in front of it. And it illuminate the showbread. And from the showbread, we go and meet at his mouth, find out what he will say to us, or we find out what's on the heart of God. Not what we want, but what he wants. And when we go and meet at his mouth, uh, we're in his presence with great reverence. We inquire of him personally and meet at his mouth to see what he'll say to us, to meet with him face to face, to meet the word of God face to face, not a person, but the eternal word. I mean, not, not Jesus who sit on the throne. To hear his voice and receive our food and to feed on him. So there's a whole manifestation of the showbread. There's the revelations of the showbread. Then there's the presence, the bread of the presence. It's the, the awesome presence of God. Then there's also the food in which we feed ourselves. There. And to which we gain strength to feed others. But one manifestation of this is to find out what's on God's heart. What God wants to accomplish now in the earth. Anywhere in the earth. Doesn't matter where it is. Because he's the seven spirits of God who is the seven eyes of the Lord which travel to and fro throughout the whole earth, right? So when he reveals something from the showbread, it might be for China. You know, he, he travels the whole world. So he knows what's needed there and there and there and there. There's a tremendously valuable thing if you're going to pray, right? I mean, I think all of us are, are tired of praying for somebody's sore foot. It's not wrong. As we, as, we, as we study the incense altar, we'll see there's a place for that. See? But it's not incense. Not that incense altar. But there's, a, there's an element of that incense altar that is used for that purpose. 
<clears throat> so this reveals to us what's on the heart of God, what he wants to do on the earth today. Now let's take an example. We did, we did this repentance. We did salvation through the blood, forgiveness, justification there, reconciliation, the changing and laying aside of the old life here, the old manner of life, baptism water, uh, changing, put on the priestly garments, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the consecration offering. So we said, in the restoration, from 1500 onward, we see God restoring the church exactly according to the pattern of the tabernacle. Now we see that we've come to the consecration offering, and the next thing is this veil. This is the next experience of the church. I mean, we're talking about corporate church. We're not talking about an individual who, who has gone on with God. But now we see the church is moving. Before, before Martin Luther, there were men who were walking with God, who had revelations of God, who had an intimacy with God. Individuals. But when Martin Luther came, something happened in the whole church, a corporate move of God. Then... Through other ministries, there was a corporate move of God to lay aside the old manner of life. And then when the Anabaptists came, there were many people teaching baptism individually. But the, the church had not participated in it corporately. So through the Anabaptists, he re they restored the doctrine of baptism so that the whole church was moving in that way. The whole church didn't go through one kind of baptism, immersion or this or that, but baptism got restored to the church. Believer baptism, not infant baptism, but believer baptism. Then the next move was when they put on the garments of God, put on the garments of righteousness, the garments of praise, the garments of worship, the garments of humility, humility and all the, all the many, many garments is there. The church moved into that corporately. Now, some of the churches that restored these truths didn't keep up. You understand? They, they stayed. Some of the churches that restored justification by faith are still sitting at justification by faith. See? They said, well, we got the truth. God revealed it to us 1,500, 400 years ago. We got the truth. That was the truth 1,400, you know, 400 years ago. But they've stayed with the truth. They haven't advanced with God. So they haven't been restored corporately into all these things. But God has a corporate restoration, which has covered more than a, a little group, a sect. It has covered a corporate group. So each one of these things was a corporate restoration, like the Pentecostal movement in the early 1900s. That spread until it spread, until it spread, and it went everywhere. And then the tent meeting in 1945, all that restoration of miracles and signs and wonders and healings and so forth, and the word of knowledge and word of wisdom and all, that, all those manifestations in the tent meetings, that, that moved throughout the church. And then the charismatic movement was a, it was a corporate restoration of the gifts and the teachings and everything. In the big charismatic meetings like it was held in Fort Lauderdale, there were every denomination was there. And so those, those restorations spread to every denomination. It was a corporate thing. Now, the denominations didn't respond to it like you hoped they would. But nevertheless, 
there was that restoration. It was a corporate thing. Now, there are many men of God today who have consecrated themselves, give themselves to do the whole will of God. In the 1700s, there were many, many individuals who went to China, to Africa, gave their life to in, in India, and many different heathen places. So they were personally consecrated. But what we're looking for now is a corporate consecration, where we have whole big groups of people who've given themselves to do the whole will of God, whatever it means, whatever it costs, wherever it takes them. Now, we see that we're up to that point, but we haven't seen a corporate move of people who are going to do the will of God no matter what it costs them. All right, now, let's say we know that. Let's say that individually, we got a little flame of fire going, maybe one of these balances, and a little bit has been revealed from the showbread, and we know the next move of God is going to be the consecration offering. If we have that by revelation. What should we take to the altar of incense? See? We got to say, Lord, we understand your heart. We understand your picture, your type, your shadow. We understand that these are pictures of spiritual things, of heavenly things. Therefore, Father, we begin to pray and make supplication, intercession. As you see, the four aspects of the altar of incense you'll see the four different methods to pray. And as we see what's on God's heart, we know how to pray exactly what's on God's heart. See? We, not that God just spoke and, and, and the showbread revealed, but we can see it in type. And then we, somehow we know it's real. We know this has to be that way. Because without the consecration offering, you're not going to get the gold to make a lampstand. We're talking about corporate ministry now. Without the gold to make the lampstand, you're not going to have a sheet of gold that can be hammered into one piece. If you don't have the lampstand, you won't have a place to put the lamps. If you don't have a place to put the lamp, you won't have the seven spirits of God illuminating this whole life and ministry. So we see in the Spirit... We should see in the spirit or should witness to our spirit that God must have consecrated people. Not one here and one there, because they're already there. But a church, a move, a move in the corporate community of the church where we get a, a, a whole assembly of people who just want to do the will of God. And then another assembly, and then another assembly. And then in California, and then in Colorado, and in New Mexico, and in Mexico, and, and in Puerto Rico. And pretty soon there are churches who are consecrated. Not everybody doing the same thing, but the body functioning. See, if we studied the high priest and, and see how he functioned, we will see what the purpose of God is for our high priest, who is Jesus, right? Who's already entered into the holy place. 
And when we study the defects of the priest, we'll see why he can't have defects in his body. Everybody see that the body of Christ cannot have a wounded arm, a lame leg, a blinded eye, a deaf ear, or a mouth that can't speak. It can't have kidneys that don't function or, or feet that are crooked. You can't have defects in the body of Christ. Because Christ is the high priest and no one could be a high priest who had defects. See? Let's just look at them. In Leviticus 21, we'll look at the defects of the priest because we'll see who can set out this bread and who can eat this bread. <clears throat> we showed how this bread is eaten. It had to be eaten every week. It had to be all of it eaten. In Leviticus 21, verse 17... He speaks about the priesthood and what the limitations on the priesthood is. And there are certain limitations upon the priesthood when a priest has a defect. It doesn't mean he's not a priest. It means there are certain things he can't accomplish if he has a defect. Now listen to him. Uh, Leviticus 21 verse 17. Speak to Aaron saying, No man of your offspring... Throughout their generations, who has a defect shall approach to offer the bread of his God. For no one who has a defect shall approach. No one who has a defect can even come there. A blind man, a lame man, or he who has a disfigured face, or a flat nose, or any deformed limb, or a man who has a broken foot, or a broken hand, or a hunchback or a dwarf, or one who has a defect in his eye, or eczema, or scabs, or crushed testicles. No man among the descendants of Aaron the priest who has a defect is to come near to offer the Lord's offerings by fire. Since he has a defect, he shall not come near to offer the bread of his God. That's the showbread. He may eat the bread of his God. both the most holy and the holy. Only he shall not go in to the veil or come near the altar. That's this altar here. Can't go into that veil or come near that altar. Because he has a defect that he may profane my sanctuary. For I am the Lord who sanctifies them. So these defects of the priests doesn't hinder them from offering the bread of, or from eating the bread of God. Because when, before new bread was set out, they had to eat the old bread. And these things were big. This was a lot of bread. Of course, there were a lot of priests. And all the priests could participate in eating the bread. <coughs> the holy and the most holy. The thing is, if they had a defect, they couldn't offer the bread of God. They could not enter into the holy place. And they could not even approach the altar of incense because their defect would, 
<coughs> profane his sanctuary. See? It would profane the sanctuary of God. So let's look at these defects now and see what the spiritual application of these defects are. Verse 18, no one who has a defect shall approach a blind man. This is one who cannot see anything. They're just blinded. Jesus warned one of the churches in Revelation that they're blind, naked, poor. You know, he said, buy me your eyes, have, so that you might see. So there's a spiritual blindness that will keep people from entering in to that life and ministry. Then he says, a lame man. Or he can walk, but he doesn't walk right. No, he, he, he limps. He can't walk right. So when you find somebody that is moving, but they're, they're not walking right, they're not walking upright, then we know that these people cannot enter in to offer the bread of God. They're not walking correctly. Then a man with a disfigured face or a flat nose, I think it says in the margin, it says um, a slit face or one that's deformed or defiled, a face that's defiled. Uh, he can't enter in. And a face speaks about that which, which goes face to face with God or some in which we see the, the, the countenance, we see the expression, we see something of the personality and so forth in the face. It says that some have been blinded so they don't see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ because his face expressed the glory of God. So a disfigured face doesn't have that expression. It, you can't discern what's in there from a disfigured face. Any deformed limb or anything that is not complete, a short arm, uh, missing fingers, six fingers. If you had six fingers, you couldn't enter in the sanctuary of God. Six toes, you couldn't enter. See, because they were deformed. That's not how God created man to be. So anybody that has any, any ex exterior limb that is not formed correctly, they couldn't enter in. Because it has to do with their function. See, if their legs deformed, their arms are deformed, they, they, they miss the function. <clears throat> then he says, um, we'll have to go through these pretty quick. A man who has a broken foot, or one who can't put any weight down on his foot, or a broken hand, one who can't really do the will of God, or a hunchback, a man that goes around carrying his own burdens, you know, he's got his own burden on here, and he can't carry the burdens of God. He can't enter in. Because he's just all taken up in his own, his own problems, his own burdens. <clears throat> uh, a dwarf. <laughs> that means somebody just never developed. They just never grew. They can't enter in. See? One who has a defect in his eye. It's not that he's blind. They just, just don't see clear. He just, he just sees half. They can't enter in. One who has eczema, that's, that's an itch. That's an itch. See, if you're, always, if you're always irritated, 
you can't really serve God. See, if you've got your own irritation, if everything in the church irritates you, and you don't have any peace, and you're just itching all the time, you can't enter in and serve God. See, because you're just, you're just caught off all up in your own itch. Scabs. These are, these are wounds that are healing, but they're not healed. Right? I mean, the church is full of wounded people. Is that right? You've been around long enough to know that. Crushed testicles. That means somebody who cannot reproduce. He cannot reproduce in the church. He can't win souls, but he can't develop souls. He can't, he, he, he can't give life in the church. He can teach doctrines, but he can't give life. See? Um, He says, no man are the sons of Aaron, the high priest, who has a defect, has come near to offer the offerings by fire, for as a defect, he shall not come near to offer the bread of God. He may eat the bread of God, both the holy and the most holy. Only he shall not go into the veil or come near the altar, because he has a defect, that he may profane my sanctuary, for I am the Lord who sanctifies them. So the picture now is the high priest or members of his family who belong to the high priest. Because only the high priest and his family could enter in to do that ministry. The Levites ministered out here, but they couldn't enter into there. In fact, they couldn't even see those things in there because they had to be covered before they come out. So now we have our high priest who is Jesus Christ. And somehow we've got the idea that he's going to accept into his body people who have lame, lame hands, blinded eyes, they can't hear, they have broken hands, they can't do, they got broken feet, they can't walk, they're lame, they can't reproduce themselves, they're always itching, they got wounds that won't heal, but Jesus is going to accept them into his body. They can be children of God. They can eat. They can eat of the bread of God. But they cannot enter into the sanctuary of God because they would defile it. So we see why the church, which is his body, has to come to perfection. Full growth. Because Jesus is not coming for a half-grown bride with one arm that's only up to here. And one leg where she... She can't walk. See? She has to come to full growth. Because the high priest, who is Jesus, and his bride, which is his body, is going to rule over all the works of God's hands. They're going to sit on the... Not just here. They're going to sit on the throne of God. The overcomers. So we see why every member of the body has to come to perfection. Now the question is always this. Brother, I see I have a defect. I've got a blind eye. I, I don't have perspective because of one eye I don't see and I'm just seeing things. Or I have a defect in my eye, I can't see clearly. What am I going to do? When Jesus walked over the earth, he healed every one of them 
didn't he? It said he healed all who came to him. So if you have a short leg, he'll heal it. A spiritual leg. If you got a blind eye, he'll heal it. Why was he so upset with these people in Revelation 2 and 3 who couldn't see? Or had the garments soiled? Why was it he was going to remove their lampstand out of their place? Because they had defects and they can't, they can't function there. And he cannot use people like that in his body. That's a shock, isn't it? That's a real shock. When you see the defects of the priest and the requirement for the high priest, who is Jesus, and his sons who are going to minister in there, or his body who are going to minister there. That's why whatever defect you have, if you recognize it and you go to Jesus, he'll heal it. See? He healed all who came to him. That was the revelation that, that the, the Holy Spirit brought about Jesus. That he healed all who came to him. He didn't go around looking for people to heal. But he healed everybody who came to him. So if we go to him, he'll heal us. Whatever defect we have. Now, in the meantime, can you eat the bread of God? Yes, you can eat it. You can receive whatever strength you need, and you can meet at his mouth. You can hear what he would say. You can eat from the bread, but you can't offer it. You can't set it out. You, can't, you won't be able to minister the, the incense. But God says, let everybody come and eat. Because that's where you'll get your strength. That's where you'll get your encouragement in order to, to get healed and to grow. If you're a dwarf, you can eat from him and you'll grow. Is that right? You'll grow. Amen.